This podcast is sponsored by Media First, who design and deliver bespoke media, message development, presentations and crisis communications training. Find out more by visiting mediafirst.co.uk. Hello, welcome to the Media Landscape. I'm Julia Bell and I'll be taking you through the week's news and preparing you for what's ahead today. Um, Now, at the moment, the landscape is dominated by news of Omicron, the new strain of coronavirus that was first identified in South Africa. So the PM briefed the nation, I'm sure you caught this on Sunday the 12th of December, with what I thought was a rather ominous message that, quote, we are in an emergency. And he announced a national mission to get boosted now. But the question is, will dwindling trust in the government scupper their chances of curbing infections? And what lessons can we learn from their mistakes? Plus, we've got to talk about Peloton today. This was a really fascinating story. Basically, their exercise bike featured in the Sex and the City reboot, but that resulted in a 16% slump in shares because of the storyline, which I'll go into in a bit. So we'll talk about what they did in response and whether humour was the key to escaping a crisis. This week's journal on the go will be internet psychologist, journalist and author Graham Jones, who spoke to me all about what to do when the public's trust is in jeopardy. Let's start with the announcement that's dominated the landscape, Boris Johnson's briefing on the 12th of December. Because I'm afraid we're now facing an emergency in our battle with the new variant, Omicron. Some key differences I noticed between that clip and many other of the briefings that we've had was that it was pre-recorded rather than live. Boris Johnson was alone uh, rather than sharing a podium with scientists such as Chris Whitty or Patrick Vallance. And fundamentally, there were no journalists to ask questions. In fact, there were no questions at all. And since the PM's office has been dealing with, well, not one Christmas party scandal, but two... One couldn't help but wonder if the lack of journalists was an intentional measure to avoid inevitably uncomfortable questions about, oh, I don't know, trust and rules, for example. And in fact, actually, the relationship between the government and the media has been especially strained this week after Boris Johnson hit out at the BBC primarily for being, quote, frivolous, vengeful and partisan in its coverage around, let's call it Christmas Party Gate, because that seems to be what everyone's calling it. And to be honest, I'm I didn't know what to make of that. I'm trying to imagine a world where the BBC ignores multiple allegations of rule breaking within Downing Street purely for fear that it might upset the prime minister. I mean, that just doesn't sound well, it doesn't sound like a democracy to me. And I might go as far as to argue that shooting the messenger does not do much to save one's own image. Back to this briefing, though, the government's response to this quote unquote emergency is its national mission to get boosted now, setting a target to offer every adult in the UK their third dose by the end of 2021, by the end of this year. As for Omicron itself, it currently makes up for at least 20% of all COVID cases in the UK. We know it's highly infectious. We know that kind of it's it's essentially doubling every two or three days. Still, this morning, it was it was tougher than usual to get a handle on the precise figures because Deputy Prime Minister and Justice Secretary Dominic Raab gave three different sets of figures in three different interviews, leading to a very fiery conversation on Good Morning Britain. We've heard you've done two interviews this morning. You were asked a simple question 
How many people are in hospital? You told Sky News, 250 people. You told BBC Breakfast, nine. If you don't know the actual basics, how can we respond to it? Do you, do you want to give us a figure? We've got a third opportunity to tell us now. How many people lie in hospital with Omicron at the moment? So it's ten at the moment. Oh, one has passed. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, so you've given three different numbers on three on different question. national national can news I, shows I, to the so population. I understand, I understand you like rant, ranting at your politicians in the morning, but can I answer the question because it's a fair challenge and I want to answer it. First of all, I misheard one of the questions around whether it was hospitalizations of Omicron-related patients or generally, but the figures are one death from Omicron, 10 in hospital, and I can tell you that the latest daily hospitalizations run at 900. I really feel at the moment that trust, I've said it before on this episode, but I think trust is the key area that the government are really struggling with. And the polls definitely back that up. Opinion's latest findings saw a nine-point surge for Labour over the Conservatives. You know, I was talking about this trust thing to Adam Fisher, who writes the Media First blogs, and he harked back to the moment that the infamous Allegra Stratton video emerged, where, you know, the one where she and colleagues seemed to be joking about this alleged bash that happened with cheese and wine in Downing Street last year, the leaking of which resulted in her very tearful resignation. But Adam was saying, you know, it's clear the government just didn't have a plan for that leak at all. And is there really an excuse for that, considering this video took place a year ago? Just because you've gotten away with something at the time doesn't mean your luck's going to last. So best to plan as if the media already has their hands on it. Right, should we talk about something completely different? Uh, Peloton are the perfect example of a brand who have had to deal with the mother of all PR crises this week as a character, a key character in the Sex and the City reboot died of what appeared to be a heart attack after doing an interactive session on their Peloton bike. And after the episode aired, I mentioned in the intro that shares in the company reportedly fell by 16%. Talk about art having an effect on real life. 16% from a fictional character dying. Now, anyone who knows me personally knows, I can just hear my mum laughing at this because I tell her off for it all the time. Anyone who knows me personally knows I hate spoilers. I just think they should be banned. So I'm not going to tell you which character dies in case you haven't seen it yet. I think that's the considerate thing to do. But where it gets really interesting is actually in Peloton's PR response, effectively, because first of all, they put out these comments from a cardiologist who said, actually, it's the character's lifestyle and their family history which were likely the causes of this heart attack. And the Peloton is probably what helped them live longer. But then, literally in the last day or so, to add to that, Peloton have released this advert, this video, where the character, played by the same actor, is very much alive <laughs> and, incidentally, extremely excited to get back onto their Peloton bike. Uh, it's a really short advert, so I'll play you a clip. But what made me laugh is this end bit. Have a listen. Cycling strengthens your heart muscles, lowers resting pulse and reduces blood fat levels. He's alive. <laughs> and if you look at Peloton's market summary as of the last day, it's wobbly, but it's climbing. So I can't help but think that that sort of tongue in cheek advert seems to have really helped. 
Okay, nearly time for our journal on the go, but first I will mention that Parliament are voting on a bill this evening, which will determine whether the government's so-called Plan B can become law. Now, this Plan B was announced way back on Wednesday the 8th of December in response to the spread of this new variant, and it includes more restrictions, basically. So rolling out a face covering mandate in most public indoor venues other than hospitality. So cinemas, wear your mask, pubs don't need to. Uh, And it also includes this NHS COVID pass idea that you have to show to get into certain places. Some are calling it a vaccine passport. And even though a chunk of Conservatives rebelled against these new measures, it passed anyway with Labour's support. The eyes to the right, 369. The nose to the left, 126. Just something that I considered here, though, was the name of this set of restrictions. Plan B. You know, I can't help but think that sounds a bit like Plan A failed. When really this is more of an added layer of restrictions in response to emerging data. So perhaps something like Phase 2 would have been advisable rather than Plan B. Uh, Especially when the government could do with winning as much public confidence as possible right now. And while we're on the topic of that, it's time for our Journo on the Go segment with Graham Jones, internet psychologist, journalist and author. And I started our catch up by asking him whether trust in the government or lack thereof might actually adversely affect our ability to stave off another Covid wave. Almost certainly. Um, So I've seen a couple of studies showing that four out of five people will ignore any new rules. So uh, and they're saying they're ignoring them because if the people in the centre of government ignore them, why should I have to stick by them? Yeah. And do you think the, the it isn't helped by the fact that Boris Johnson, of course, made this most recent announcement alone? Do you think he might have been better off having somebody else there, perhaps at least to distract um, from him being the sole focus? Well, I mean, there are there are two questions in there, really, is does Boris Johnson want other people to distract from him? Uh, the answer is probably no, um, because he wants all the focus on him. Uh, the other thing is that we know from lots of studies, and I think another one was published today, uh, the fact that the public trusts the scientists uh, and doesn't trust the politicians to interpret what the scientists are saying. So actually, if if the press conferences were just the experts then there would be much more trust. Wow. So you think in terms of the psychological effect on the UK public, it's better off if he's just not even there when these things are being announced. Yeah, it would be much... People would be more likely to follow the rules if the rules are given to them by the experts Mm -hmm. um, because they trust the experts. We try... You know, you don't get to be the chief medical officer of of England or of any of the devolved nations unless you know a thing or two. Okay, but outside of science, in sort of politics and leadership, into in a sense, trust is quite an abstract concept. You can't just manufacture it; you kind of have to earn it. So, looking at the government now, how best do you think they can build that public trust back up? Because let's be honest, they do need to. If, like you say, there's a link between public trust and public obedience for these restrictions. Yeah, there is actually a straightforward answer to this, as strange as it may seem, because you're right, you can't manufacture trust. What we do know from lots of scientific studies into who we trust and why we trust them, there is one central component, and that is how much they demonstrate they really care for you as an individual. And so the one thing that uh, politicians don't do 
is demonstrate they care for us as individuals because everything they do appears to demonstrate they care for themselves more they care than care for us whereas if you think about it anybody in the healthcare professions you go into medicine or nursing or physiotherapy or any of those because you want to care for other people and I suppose this these Christmas party scandals, plural at this point, aren't particularly helping that sense of, do you care about us? What can we learn, do you think, from the government's handling of these Christmas party sagas, these scandals? The, the problem for the government is not that they had the parties. That's not the problem. And the problem in terms of trust is that they spent so long pretending they didn't happen. If you've made a mistake, If you've done something wrong, just hold your hand up, say I'm sorry, at the first moment it's discovered. Um, And all of the um, uh, research on how to regain trust is do you try to cover something up or do you um, admit your error and give a fulsome apology and not in fact, as the Prime Minister did, apologise for how we might have felt about a video. He didn't apologise for the parties. He apologised about how we might have felt about watching a video of a mock press conference. What did you think of, or what did you make of Ryanair posting this mock COVID alert sort of chart on Twitter? So obviously on the one side, it's the one that we all recognise, which is these real COVID alert levels that go up to level five. On the right-hand side, you've got this sort of quote-unquote Downing Street party scale spanning between cheese and wine at level one, the Prime Minister hosting a quiz at level two, and all the way up to sort of Boris topless and chatting up a Margaret Thatcher portrait at four. This sort of meme, this picture's been spread widely, but is it a good look for the likes of Ryanair to be sharing it with their hundreds of thousands of followers? Well, clearly, lots of people liked it because it's been shared so many times and there's been lots of people saying how good it is. And actually, that ties into the personality of the business of Ryanair and has joined with lots of other airlines saying, you know, that what the government has done to the airline industry over the last couple of years has been really, really bad. So the personality of the company tied in with their anger at the British government means that they will do anything that the public will connect with. There's a kind of nothing left to lose attitude there. But in terms of its effect on its customer base, could they be seen as glib or even more so kind of confrontational and political uh, in an environment where, you know, perhaps you just want your Twitter feed from an airline to be about flights? (laughs) Yeah. So some people might think that's not what they should be doing, Mm. whereas other people will be going, I really want to go with an airline like that because they're real, they're human, they're demonstrating, they they have a sense of humour. Well, that's very helpful, Graham. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you to Graham and thank you for listening. That's all from me today. I'll be back to walk you through the media landscape next week. Links to get in touch and to read our blog are all discoverable in the episode description. And do make sure you subscribe before you leave. Take care. The Media Landscape is produced by 37 and sponsored by Media First. You can find out more about each company by visiting 37.agency and mediafirst.co.uk. 